Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. Go, 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 Jamie, go, go. I'm here. <clears throat> there you go. I am now hey, unmuted. They, they, I was going to ask if they tell you that, too. I hate that. Those fuckers piss me every time and say, you are a mutant. I'm like, fuck you if I'm a mutant. Exactly. You are now a mutant. Fuck you, fuckers. Now, you've never met me in real life. How can you make that <laughs> assumption? You are now a mutant. I am a, I am a hick. You can tell that without <laughs> seeing me in person, but... Yeah, my hick ability, my, or my hickness. Fluid, yeah, you can speak fluent hickanese without a southern Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that. I am fluent in hickanese and also in uh, hillbilly initis. Or that's wow. more like a disease. I'm I, half hick, I, half hillbilly. I ain't got that quite down. I am a hickbilly. A oh, hickbilly. <laughs> You can play uh, these with both of these truly uh-huh. exclusive tribes. Mm, yep. Eating a peanut butter and cheese cracker, you know, the little keyboard ones, and you mm-hmm. just about made it go down the wrong pipe. <laughs> I'm quickly eating a fudge sickle here. Mm. Yeah. Trying to make my voice sound good and not crackly for the intro here. Okay, I'm getting all the cracker out of my mouth. Ready when you are, brother. Three, two, one. Big Sky Howdy, and welcome back to another installment of the Glag Saga on World Bigfoot Radio with your host, The Duke. And obviously our guest, Kevin. And uh, before we get on to the show here, I'd like to first do a big shout-out to Shirley, uh, who's going to be having some rather drastic medical procedures done here shortly. And uh, didn't really ask for it, but if all you listeners out there would be kind enough to pray for her so that she makes it through. I hate to see any uh, watchers or listeners of this show or subscribers um, having a tough time of it. And so keep, keep them in your prayers if you're... Uh, Religious person, you pray. Keep me in your prayers. Keep Shirley in your prayers. And big shout-out to Shirley. And uh, just to let you know, Shirley, we will be doing that show that you suggested, so you can look forward to seeing that in the future here. Definitely keep Shirley on my prayer list. Definitely. Thanks, brother. And here's Kevin again. And, Kevin, have you got any um, viewer mail questions that you wanted to answer before we get along with what we're going to be talking about tonight? Um, I haven't got a chance to look over many more. I'd had a kind of a long weekend, and we talked about that. Is there any that you could think of 
with the what happened this weekend, I haven't had a chance to look over. Yeah, well, anymore. I was the one that I just read you earlier tonight, and uh, it's a lot of it's covering the same sort of ground. They're mainly uh, a couple people have asked for a more like really in-depth description of GLAG, and it's like, well, then you listen to the show so far. Honestly, I don't know how much more in-depth of a description that you could give of them. Um, well, I can I can try. You can go ahead. Um, mercy. You know, you think, oh, yeah, it's easy to describe until you're sitting right here trying to describe it, and then it's like, man. Well, there's a lot of typical you know, pictures and artist renderings, like the Patty style. Mm -hmm. But, you know, almost that reddish-brown color. That was his coloring, was that kind of reddish-brown, but maybe a little bit darker. But his skin color was kind of, you know, dark gray. Mm -hmm. I think Patty's was a little bit darker underneath of her hair. But he didn't have... uh, what is it? The point he had this uh, sagittal crest. His was more human-looking head shape, not you know pointy in the back, not kind of cone or however you want to say it. Oblong or paracas yeah. or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, his, his was very human-looking, and although he had the you know the large jaw, but he. Yeah, he was a perfect cross between a patty type and, you know, there's some of the adult, or more, not kids, not adult, but, you know, more geared towards adults playing video games out there, like, uh, off the top of my head, like StarCraft, you know, some of the Space Marines, the big tough guys, you know, chewing on a, uh, chewing on a cigar, you know, just that big buff chiseled features. Cross a guy that looked like that with with Patty. So, you know, not not a chimp style nose or a ape style nose. He had he had the traditional jaw. like bonk yeah, boxer nose, big square jaw. And his eyes were really wide apart and deep set, but his forehead, yes, was a big, huge, large brow, but it wasn't, on him, it wasn't disproportionate looking. It, you know, it didn't look, you know, that's, he did not look ape at all to me. The only thing that was apish about him was he was covered from head to toe with hair, not fur, hair. Like mine and your hair, it's just everywhere. It's just a lot thicker, you know, on his body. But... You know, and I, I think I've said before, his eyes were black. You know, never saw any whites. But you could tell where he was looking, even though, you know, he didn't have a white of an eye. You know, there was a lighter and darker black, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you could always tell where he was looking, you know, if he was looking right at you or looking past you. And, you know, I'd like to have what... There's that one lady that everybody talks about that's the artist that... Billy Irwin. Yeah, I would love She's to be able to talk the, to her. Yeah, she did the drawing of uh, Kyohosa for Cat. We just did an nice. episode here a little bit ago with Cat talking about 
her interactions with her troop of Bigfoot and their leader, Kehosa, from the time she was like five years old. And I just found out about that and haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, dadgummit. <laughs> Which dates when this recording was made, by the time you guys hear it. Uh, mm. <clears throat> so, <laughs> anyway. Yes, I am I am working <laughs> way far in, a di- in distant points of uh, the timescape compared to where the listeners actually are. But anyway, to get back to you, the, uh, the other things that keep popping up are mostly questions about the woo. Um, you know, did you ever see him, like, turn invisible? Um, was there any hint that he had any kind of psychic or mental powers? Was there any telepathy? Could he mind-speak sentences to you? Um, you know, mm. anything well, like that? I've said on, on the other stuff like that, not that I saw. But mm. there again, I'm not discounting it. Remember... I I met him when he was very young. He might, if that if they do have those sort of powers, you know, I've never seen it. But remember, I met him when he was very young, and he was by yeah. himself. So if they do have that type of abilities, he might not have been able or might not have learned it yet. Yeah. Now, the thing that, you know, if you're not around him, a lot that could be misconstrued is some of the woo is their natural abilities. I can't stress that enough. His ability to blend in to the natural environment is was phenomenal. I mean, I could be watching where he went into the trees and watch him just, I'd lose sight of him, watching where he went. And it's not that he, not that he was... You know, disappearing. Yeah, he was just walking no. into the woods. <laughs> and like I said on the last episode, when we were walking along, when we were just out exploring or goofing off, and he would stop, and I would run right into the back of him because I didn't realize he had stopped because I didn't see him. And boom, right there he is. And I was always like, what are you doing? And he'd, oh, yeah, everybody's oh, going to oh. ask, well, how can you not see a 600-pound Sasquatch that you just walked into the butt of, you know? Because I'm walking up a hill or through the trees trying to walk, you know, stay upright and looking around at stuff, not paying attention. I know where he's going. It's like when you're following somebody down a trail, are you always staring right at their back? No, you no. know they're right in front of you. You know you're following them, but you're not paying attention to exactly how close to them you are. But, you know, out of your peripheral, you could see when they stop and, you know, you would stop. I just, you know, if I wasn't paying direct attention to him, I would lose you would that. You not even notice that he stopped. That he stopped. And more times than I can count, he would do that on purpose because he'd know that I wasn't paying that close of attention, and then he had stopped. Because remember, I told you by that time, his butt crack was right at about face level. <laughs> and you also mentioned the uh, slapstick nature of Bigfoot humor. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that totally <laughs> makes perfect sense. Go back to 1920s and 30s movies, and yeah, that's Bigfoot sense of humor. So, <laughs> now the other very thing that, comes up here that you didn't get to spend very much time on was the, the um, and we've actually talked about this off air a little bit, is about the climbing ability. Can you yes. talk a little bit about the uh, climbing ability that Glag showed you? Um, you what do you want to know? He's the 
best oh, climber yeah. I've ever seen. I know. Well, I yeah, just generally, how do they do it? Does he climb? Does he climb like a human? Does he swing over, you know, arm for arm, branch to branch? What kind of climbing stuff does he right, do? I never saw like the Tarzan type between, stuff. Yeah, no, I remember with, it was pine forest. It wasn't the same type of forest that where you could go from tree to tree like right. that. But it was, you know, he used his feet a lot. But when he was going up, it was more just, you know, like a, if you're on a rope and you muscle your way up hand over hand. You know, right. He was branch to branch, and it was more focused on his hands, you know, going up. And, you know, if you got a foothold, you know, it, but, you know, his feet helped also. But it was more just muscling your way up. But him, it wasn't muscling his way up. It was effortless and for him yeah. to pull that big old huge frame up a tree and quick. I mean, effortlessing his way up. Okay, got it. Yeah, well, you know, with their tremendous, gigantic upper body, that really doesn't surprise me that much. I mean, at one point when I was doing a lot of lifting and I was way more excessively stronger than I really needed to be, and I could, you know, like do pull-ups with my body weight really easily, in fact, to the point where I could grab onto a ledge that was above my head and, like, literally fling myself up and land on my feet. Yeah. Well, when and I was, so, you know, if a human can do that, God, yeah, I could see definitely see a Bigfoot doing it. When I was powerlifting, we would do pull-ups and chin-ups with, you know, 95 pounds hanging from our waist. You know, have your yeah, weight exactly. belt, and then you'd hang hang a 45 and a 35 or two 45s, yeah. and you'd do pull-ups with, you know, an extra 100 pounds or 60 pounds hanging off of you. Yeah. So yeah, and. I was never able to climb a rope when I was a kid. You know, the way they wrap their feet around it. And yeah, I never could do that either. I always just had to muscle my way up. I was so happy when I got to be older and I actually built up my upper body enough that I didn't even care if I needed it. It was the same thing as a Bigfoot. I basically didn't need my feet. I could yep. do like a Bruce Lee and enter the dragon thing where he's got his legs wrapped around the rope but straight out and he's pulling himself up just with his upper body. Yep. yep. That's how I had to climb a rope was just muscle my way up. Well, interesting. So you've seen him do basically that sort of thing, and that kind of doesn't surprise me. What you know, it's just uh, what per, what proportion of time did he spend, you know, doing that sort of thing? And did it really? What was the limit on how how big or small the trees he was climbing around in? I mean, when he got really big, obviously there were some trees that were too small to hold him. Yes. Now, you know, because remember when we first met. I was up in trees a lot, but it's yeah. because of what I was doing. So there was a lot of time that, you know, would find a tree to climb and then get up there and sit up in a tree. You know, and it wasn't always sitting down on the ground or down in the little, not really, you know, the depression, that little tight, the small caves. There's a lot of times that we'd be sitting up in a tree. You know, and it was cool, you know, because he could get you up way higher than I would ever want to go, <laughs> a lot quicker than I ever could, you know, and getting up into a tree that, you know, I would need a rope and, you know, some climbing spikes and stuff to get up and just lift me up and push me up to the branches and then push me up to where I could get up in there on some of the trees that, you know, didn't have a way for me to get up, I did have a way up. 
But it was just cool to go up. I loved going up in the trees and just looking out over, you know, the valley or over the mountains, depending on where we were. But just the scenery was just, you know, a pristine wilderness. Yeah. You know, back well, in the back enough country. when you're on the ground and you got some trees in your way. But if you're up on top of one of them, it's unbelievable. It's almost like being a plane flying over it. Yes. That brings up some other interesting things that I had witnessed and had heard about because of being right on the edge of the backcountry. And a huge thing was, you know, people going into the backcountry to to hunt and stuff. You could either go in by helicopter or airplane if there's an airship or jet boat or horseback or mule or walk. You couldn't even take a bike back into the backcountry, but those were the ways you could. You know, on the places that had property back there, there was a lot of ranches back there that worked as hunting camps in, during hunting season. And there's several that were dude ranches in the summer, you know, really nice places, expensive, but yeah, they had to take a jet boat ride up the river or go at the headwaters and float down, you know, on a rafting trip or hike or ride a horse back in. Not many people rode horses. That did. Not many people hiked. It was, you know, probably the, the main ranch back there that a lot of people went to. It would probably be a two-week hike if you were hoofing it. But, you know, knowing somebody that was a backcountry pilot and getting to go up every once in a while, especially, you know, in the wintertime when you see stuff that didn't make sense in the snow that was kind of interesting and it didn't make sense until later as to what was causing you know should i go into that yeah yeah well um, just for instance way back in the backcountry that you know the closest road is you know 75 to 80 miles away as the crow flies which would actually be land miles 100 and 10, 120 miles away because over ridges and up valleys and stuff. But in the middle of wintertime, when there's six or seven feet of snow on that meadow, and seeing the meadow, you know, is bigger than a football field, you know, some bigger, some smaller, but seeing a meadow that size and seeing the snow tore up so bad that dirt is scattered around. If a herd of elk or deer walked through there, they wouldn't cut the ground up that much. What was cutting the ground up so much? I mean, that's like up over your head, folks. Yes. Six or seven feet of snow, you know. A lot of snow to go somewhere. There was a place that we used to go on our snow machines. It was a huge meadow. And the thing was, you couldn't drop below about 50 miles an hour or you would sink. And it would take you two to three hours to dig your way back out because you had to pack down by foot a ramp where your sled sunk into the snow you would have to make a ramp by foot, packing it down over and over and over to build you a ramp to get back up out of there and have to build up enough speed to get back up on top of the powder and stay on it. That was the trick. Was It was fun to see how much cojones you had to see if you could run from one end of the meadow to the other. And it was long, and you had to keep the throttle wide open, or you would sink, you know, six or seven feet down. There was more than one sled left up there for the rest of the winter and people would have to go retrieve it in the spring 
And so it's, the snow is that deep, and there is something, you know, like I've seen tracks where herds of deer have walked through a meadow, you know, from the air, and you can tell that the snow's all tracked up, but it's not tore up like that did. I think it was two or three times I'd seen that. And I asked my friend what it was, and he'd just always say, oh, it was a big herd of elk went through there. And I'm like, but that's what that one back there looked like. That looks totally different, but I never pushed it. And now knowing what I know now, I think I know what it was. I think it was probably two big males having a fight. Uh, could that's, be, uh, just, that's just my opinion. But, yeah. Could be boulder yep. grizzlies, you know, those mysterious boulder grizzlies we keep Yeah, or, or them, them timber apes. Timber apes. Them dark mm. timber apes. Or it could yep. be just some, you know, mountain giants having a wrestling match. That would pretty much tear up a clearing. Yeah, something. You know, it just didn't make sense because I've seen where a herd of elk has walked through and it's not cut up and have chunks of dirt laying up on top of the snow. Was there any evidence of like any mechanization there? You know, like there was a secret uh, military winter maneuver they didn't tell us about and they just, you know, like flattened everything in this clearing for a couple of days or something. Um, not that I saw, not putting it past them, but, you know, there was, uh, yeah, I don't know if I want to say that, but yeah, there, I saw military activity where it should have never been. Well, I'll just yeah, leave it at yeah. that. We're just, you know, I'm saying, is you know, anything like seemingly connected to these weird, this weird incident where you've got this whole clearing, right? like no, six feet of no. snow gone, dirt ripped, ripped up, and like, you know, no. that would be the only thing I could think of to account for something like that. It just doesn't sound something like, you know, unless there's like secretly herds of gigantic herds of bison up there or something mm. that, that we don't know about, which I'm sure there there is bison, but not in the mountains like that. There is, you know, the elk and stuff stay up there, but they always stay in the trees. When it gets that deep, they don't go out into the meadows because they sink. Yeah. <laughs> and so they stay away from the meadows. It's just, it was one of them anomalies that, you know, what that old song from back in the 80s, things that make you go, hmm. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, and, you know, we get, me and Wes and, Bretton and a bunch of other people that do these sort of shows get these kind of weird things that come in every so often and you know some of it might be Bigfoot related and some of it might not be we just don't know but unless people tell us these things we don't have the information so to me it's always really interesting to hear about this stuff whether it's directly Bigfoot related or not mm-hmm. it's like well here's another weird anomaly that keeps popping up out in the wilderness that now people are reporting so it's you know it's always interesting mm-hmm. to me I was but never how, able to drop down and look and see what type of prints they were. Remember, I was, oh, you know, at the time, you know, several hundred feet above it mm-hmm. or more in a little airplane. Well, even so, I mean, at that height, if there is anything like with wheels, you know, like some kind of a wheeled vehicle or something, you would be able to see the tracks of that. Yeah, but if it was something with skids, maybe possibly maybe not. not. Yeah. And with how it was tore up, something could have landed, something like that could have landed there and I would have never seen it. Or they could have covered their tracks too. But, you know, I never saw that. I don't want to speculate. But, yeah. But again, no matter what, that's just like not natural and really weird. And, uh, you know, given sort of the area, the general area it's in, 
Idaho. Um, any kind of weird thing can be happening out there. <laughs> There's a whole lot of middle of nowhere in Idaho, really. Yeah. Well, and that that brings up an interesting thing is in the middle of hunting season, you'd get fighter jets coming over doing the terrain following, and they'd always, if you ever talked to them at the air base in Idaho, which was Mountain Home, and, you know, what are you guys doing in the backcountry, you know, 100 feet off the top of the trees following you know, the contour of the land that they have a radar system that allows their plane to do that, but, you know, testing it in the daylight. So if anything happens at night, the plane, you know, can fly itself. If anything happens to that, you know, it's just getting the pilot used to the plane following the contour of the, of the land below it. But, you know, in the middle of winter during hunting season, they're doing that type of training. And it, you know, more than once when you're up on top of a ridge and they come out of nowhere, an F-16 roll you off the top of the hill, just come right over your head. You know, at 600 miles an hour, you know, 50 feet off the deck and just blow you off the top of the hill. Nice. But, you know, were they really just testing that or were they looking for something? Again, I don't want to speculate. It's just one of them things that was weird. Oh, they were just using you for practice. They wanted to freak you out. Yep. So, well, so they wanted you to soil your loincloth, so they decided mm-hmm. that would be hilarious. Well, yeah. Yeah, joke's on them. I don't wear underwear. Ha, ha, ha. That was, that was just Not soiling your armor. Not happening. He ain't soiling no. your Okay, so anyway, getting seriously, and I think that really the only thing I wanted to bring up other than that, the question about the, the supernatural powers comes from uh, another person that's probably going to be on the show here in the future. Bigfoot in Germany. And uh, he, the area he's investigating over there has a bunch of weird paranormal stuff going on. And he does not think that it's actually Bigfoot, even though it seems to be going on in conjunction with the same area as Bigfoot's in. And a lot of the same, you know, general Bigfoot activity seems to also be accompanied by it. And he thinks that there's like some sort of entities or something that are attaching themselves to the Bigfoot that are over in this particular area and are following them around. And that's what he keeps running into in addition to the Bigfoot stuff that he's dealing with. And well, he that's... loves your show, by the way, and he's very, he's really uh, a huge listener of this one. And what fascinates him is that there's no connection to anything paranormal supernatural with Glegg. So either he's too young and doesn't have the family with him, either doesn't have the ability to do it yet or hasn't been trained to, or never will have any ability, you know, training or not. Mm. And, you know, here's him and he's dealing with this other thing going on. And he said, it's kind of a relief for me because I don't think it's like it's Bigfoot doing it in the first place, that there's something else happening here. There's, some, you know, these other entities that are following these Bigfoot around or what are doing all this other stuff. Well, that what you were going to try to do with Cat and uh, what's his name about talking about, you know, that, that, well, we'll exact that sort of for, thing. We'll save, yeah, we'll save that for later. No. That's, not, that's not the exact same topic because no, there's... But, Cat's been saying for a long time that the uh, there's things that are like parasitic entities that like to attach themselves to Bigfoot and follow them around, just like, you know, entities will that, try and attach themselves to humans and follow them around yeah. and make their lives difficult. That just that to me, that's terrifying. That just 
that because you know so many people don't believe that there is the bad stuff out there that does that and it's like there is bad stuff out there and that just and if they're oh that's scary well sorry you know that's the way our universe is set up there's it's like bears you know there's these cute panda bear looking things there's also these not so cute grizzly bears they're both bears yep they can both tear you apart Yep. yep. So, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll get we'll get we'll get onto that subject soon enough. The next time we have cat on, yeah, uh, I, I hope I didn't didn't no spoiler alerts. No, that's Sorry. okay because it's actually going to be cat and Dave the Deliverer. Dave the Exorcist <clears throat> is going to be coming back. It's going to be a panel discussion for those two. Yeah, uh, I can't wait for that about Bigfoot and woo woo. So everybody can look forward to hearing what they had to say about yeah. it. But, and just, uh, just got to say it just with you know my situation being so unique it could have been that if they do have that type of ability i never saw it because he was so young yeah you know and got got taken his away from his or his mother and father taken away from him and didn't ever have the chance to learn yeah. like other young ones did if, if if it does happen yeah it'd be like a bigfoot that's observing humans going well, you never hung around with any human. Uh, did, did, did you ever see that human type on a keyboard? Well, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. If you could type on a keyboard, you, if you actually hung around with a human, you would have seen them type on a keyboard. They do that all the time. They've got little dinky ones they carry around with them. Exactly. So, it, you know, look at it from that standpoint. If you have uh, text-to-speech and you never type on it, does that mean you're not, you know, you, you have, but yeah, just I never saw it. Anything else that you can think of? No, I think that's about it. I think the uh, the next topic of discussion before we continue on chronologically here is something that you didn't touch on this uh, the first pass through here. It actually happened by the the time we got to the beginning of the series, okay. and that was the whole gun thing. Yeah, you, you mentioned briefly that you had shown him a picture of various guns at one point, and when he you know, saw one, he kind of crumpled it up or whatever. And yeah. No, that I knew I needed because of what had happened. You know, I needed to get him familiar with it and wanted to do it as gently as possible, so eventually, you know, he doesn't come across somebody that has one that points it at him and shoots him, just like that. But I wanted to give him, you know, how do you explain what I was thinking? I wanted to give him a healthy respect and fear of him, but show him that it wasn't, the gun's not bad. You can well, test that gun all day long. And fear for it already. That's the question that keeps coming up. You had communication with him. Did he ever talk to you about what killed his parents or who or what kind of gun? Uh, not like that, but whenever I would... It was me that would mention it, you know. It, you know, you'd stay away from them because it's that. Well, let me just get into this. Okay, go ahead. About how I introduced him to the to the gun thing was. So after showing him pictures and you know trying to explain, you know, the gun's not bad. Yes, this is what did it, but you know, like a, you can explain to somebody, you can cuss at that gun all day long, and that gun isn't going to do a thing. You can. You can yell at it, you can scream at it, you can call it all sorts of dirty names, 
and that gun isn't going to do a thing until somebody picks it up. That gun is never going to do anything. The gun's not bad. You know, it's guns don't kill people. People kill people with a gun. It's not the gun's fault. If you take guns away, guess what? They're going to kill somebody with something other than a gun. It's people are the bad thing. And trying to get that across to him, and eventually I brought up, now I went to a couple, uh, you know, just the small town auctions, and I bought the biggest piece of junk, 410 shotgun, just a single shot 410. And that's what I wanted to use to introduce him to it in case he decided to, you know, destroy it. It wouldn't be, you know, my house. Right. Yeah. And I got this piece of crap that had a broken trigger that cost me 35 bucks, which, you know, for me as a kid, that was, you know, doesn't seem like much, but. That was a lot of money, especially for something that I thought was going to probably, get, probably destroyed. get destroyed, but yeah. it was important enough to me to show him what it was, and, you know, does that make sense? It was important enough for yeah. me to show him it with me being the one showing it to him, not somebody aiming at him and pulling the trigger like they did on his parents. And so after many pictures, and then, again, like I told you, I'd taken up, you know, my little Walkman, and that was a chore because I had to take a speaker apart. There wasn't, like, a Bluetooth speaker, but I went to the shooting range with that 410 and recorded, taking a couple shots with it, and, you know, made a speaker out of, you know, a little tweeter out of a stereo speaker, something that I could take, and I made the wires. And, yeah. Yeah, a little, you know, pre-Bluetooth, but, you know, all that was was the crappy <laughs> headphones. But I used to rig yeah, I thought like it was, that, too. I used to, see, I'm not the only one. High-tech no. Nick. But... When I eventually Why took do you it think up, they built those things? Because we, we idiots were fabricating stuff like that for years. And they're like, oh, there's a market here. That's, that's a good idea. If we make this, you know, they'll buy it from us instead of have to tear grandma's stereo apart and make it. <laughs> we could make some money. How come my stereo doesn't sound as good as it used to? I don't know, grandma. Just a speaker or something. Yeah, I think you need to buy a new set of speakers for it. <laughs> But how it just gets into, you know, when I eventually didn't. I hate to keep interrupting you or something, but I'll forget otherwise, and this is actually an important point. You had a Walkman out there that's battery-operated. Yes. And did it function properly in his presence? Like when he was close to it, did the batteries abruptly die or anything? You know, I uh, excellent question. No. But Thank you. there again, that might be, again, where he was young enough. If they do have the ability to do that, he might have been young enough and hadn't learned it yet. Mm-hmm. You know, but no, it worked fine. But, you know, AA batteries, it took four of them, and they didn't last very long as it was. And the rechargeables were 
pretty much worthless at the time. Yeah, I had rechargeables, but you know they were garbage. And, you know, technology <laughs> yeah, know. was back in was not days, like yeah. it is now. It, it made more sense economically to buy throwaway batteries than it did to get buy, buy rechargeables, yeah. just because they didn't work that well. And the charge station was, you know, ridiculous. Yeah, and you charge them overnight to get 20 minutes worth of time out of them. Yeah, so totally not worth it. Yeah, but so I did that a couple times, and you know, it's not the same as as the actual gunshot, but. It, it could go pretty loud, and it always made him nervous and upset. Not like, and I was that caused me a lot of concern was when he got upset. But uh, did he you have know, temper when I, issues? What did he have temper issues? Did it seem to you like he had a short fuse? Um. Well, I, yeah, we covered that before. When he'd get frustrated. It was very quick that he'd get frustrated and it had come to, you know, when I'd have to tell him, okay, let me do it. You know, like when the fire, yeah. when he'd get, yeah. he'd get frustrated real quick. But there again with, you know, him being my buddy, when I'd notice he was getting frustrated, he would, you know, we were good enough friends, I think, that, you know, when I would tell him, let me do it, I think he recognized that. Yeah, you know, if that makes sense, he just he would always calm down because, you know, I let you try. You know, we'll try it again next time, mm-hmm. and so let's just get it going this time. And you know, we'll try again next time. And it was always, you know, it's not not your fault, bud. It's just your hand. You're just, you know, what always I'd always, you know, put my hand up next to his. It's just you're so big. They just don't make your size, you know, big lighter. Yeah, and it make a flint and steel your size. I did in middle shop in high school. I did make a try to make a dagger for him, a knife, so he could cut stuff up. But when I saw him rip the shoulder front shoulder off of a deer, I figured he didn't need a knife. <laughs> good point. Uh, yep. Yeah, good thing you didn't teach him how to throw a dagger or anything either. Mm-hmm. That could have, that probably good enough for the uh yeah, well, I I was just thinking, you know, maybe if I if I brought him, made a knife, you know, big enough for him to hold that he could, you know, teach him how to gut a deer, and then it's like, no, I didn't need it. It didn't care. Yeah. It grab and no, rip. It's, it's made the peel apart easy, see? Yep. <laughs> Can you imagine somebody, if I, if I did actually complete one and take it to him, somebody would see a Sasquatch up there carrying a big old huge knife telling you to get off to leave. Never go back again. Never, ever, ever. Well, well, and then when I eventually took it up there, it, you know, I I had it, the gun, and then I had the shells, and I had them separate. And I got him to, you know, tell him, you know, just don't, don't be afraid. This, this isn't going to hurt you. You know, I was holding it and rolling it around and looking at it. And then I told him, you know, don't look in this end, in the end of the barrel. You know, don't, you know, stay away from that end. That's the, that's the end that causes the harm. This end right here. And then I showed him the bullet, you know, even though it was a, was a, 
you know, a shotgun, but it was a 410 slug, which isn't really a slug at all, but that's beside the point. But then I showed him that you put this in here, and then, how do, how do I explain that? And then had him stand off over there, and I aimed it at at a big fir tree, and then, you know, showed him how to cup his hands over his ears, plug them, and told him, you know, it's going to make a loud boom, and then I'd play the cassette tape and the boom, and then I'd, yeah, had, had him, and then I pulled the trigger, and then, you know, he'd right on the verge of freaking out when he actually heard the, the actual rifle shot. But with all the work that I'd done, it wasn't just one trip. This was work that I had been doing about this issue for weeks and weeks and leading up to it and talking about it and then letting it go and then bringing it back up and then bringing up pictures again after he had wadded up the one. Then I'd bring another picture of guns. And, you know, I always had my pistol. And I'd always tell him, you know, this is the same thing. And but I don't think he'd ever, when whatever it was that happened, I don't think he associated the pistol with it because he never had a problem with the pistol. It was always the picture of a rifle. Right. And then, you know, it eventually got to, we put the gun down over there, and then we walked over to the tree, and I showed him where the slug hit. And I said, see, this is what does it. It's not the gun, it's this and the bullet in it, trying to get to across to him that it's not the gun. It's the person that's holding the gun that's going to, you know, that did that. It wasn't the gun. It was the person. And, and I think he understood. I think he got it because it was, he never did like, never did like, you know, rifles. My pistol didn't bother him that much. He did when he finally actually heard me take a shot with it, you know, it, was surprising, but, you know, I think that, I don't know how I came up with, you know, the system that I did to break it to him, but I think I did it the right way because he was able to handle it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it, I broke it to him gently over weeks and weeks and weeks, and then I'd let it go, and then I'd bring it back up again, and then I'd let it go, and I'd bring it back up again, and every time I'd press it a little more when I brought it back up again until that time that I found that 410, and, you know, luckily he didn't. And, you know, he got to where he would hold it. I let him hold it. He held it, and, you know, whenever he'd start to look down the barrel of it, I'd tell him, no, 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 that's where this comes out of, you know, that... <laughs> that's the business end. Don't look yeah. at it. Yeah. And, you know, I took the slugs apart and I showed him the parts of it, whether he, he, I think he got it. I said, you know, this goes in here. When you pull the trigger, you know, this comes shooting out that end and it's this that does the problem. And it's the person, it's not the gun. The gun's not the problem. It's the person. And that's what I always tried to get across is it's the people that are bad. And I think he got it because I don't know how especially, much utility that would have for him out, out beyond the fact that, um, you know, you can identify any human with a long rifle as a potential threat, which is really yep. handy to know. 
but it's like that still leaves you to wonder if the person with the rifle is somebody that you can trust won't shoot you, and so you can't yeah. trust any of them. Yeah, you gotta stay yeah. away from them. I mean, yeah. the only well, thing that... you gain really there is that humans aren't all automatically bad, and you can't blame all the other humans for the bad ones yeah. that shot your parents. Yeah, it, that's what I tried to get across. Now, if they aim this at you, you know, hide, duck, don't let them. If if they aim it, if they aim the gun at you, then run. Mm-hmm. You know, if they ever see you and they have a gun, don't stand there. You know, get away. If they're going to aim that at you, that's what does the damage. If they're not aiming a gun at you, you know, they might not be bad. But just stay away from people. Yeah. Well, even having the concept that when they point the business end of the gun at you is when you have to worry. With their reflexes, I mean, you know, if you were aiming the gun at him and he decided to jump out of the way, you probably wouldn't hit him. Yeah. Well, you could pull the trigger and he would... There's that one movie a long time ago. But they're so fast, if he decided to move, by the time your reflex to pull the trigger happened, he wouldn't be in front of the barrel anymore. Yeah. Well... Even with him being so massive, you would have to aim, you'd have to lead the target, know to lead it, and yeah, well, it's the only reason you would hit him is if he moved was be just because he's so massive. Mm-hmm. But just don't get it to that position to where they have the ability to point the gun at you. Stay away from them. Don't let them see you. Well, I really appreciate the fact that you actually went through all the time and effort to teach him that because you know having a potentially uh, homicidal Bigfoot running around the mountains hating on all humans isn't a good thing. Well, I didn't I didn't want him to, you know, see somebody with a gun and instantly go after him. Right, I didn't exactly. want that. That's what I, you know, I would think I was smart enough to realize that, you know, I knew how strong he was. I knew what what he could and couldn't do. And if he got kicked at you, because you're, you've got a gun, there, you know, that's it. And I, I didn't want that. I didn't want him to get that reputation or to get, you know, possibly somebody hunting him down because of something like that. Just avoid people, especially the ones with that have a gun. You know, I told him I have a gun, but I'm not bad. I, I didn't try to shoot you. That, you know, this is for protection, and this is for food. You know, this is for, you know, the bear or the mountain lion or the bobcat or, you know, other people, if, that, if it comes that, down to that. Right. That's another thing that comes into the equation, too, as far as you're concerned. You're having to go a lot further out into the dangerous woods to go visit him now. And yeah. we're talking about areas that do have mountain lions and timber wolves and grizzly bears, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of really need to have a weapon with you or you're really risking your life, frankly. Yes, yes. So, you know. And that's why I always, always, at the very least, had my pistol with me, one of them. Usually there was at least at least one, but there's usually uh, my revolver and my automatic, one of my automatics. So I got a backup. And it wasn't because of them. It was because of, you know, the brown bear or the mountain lion. I don't know if you've ever had been in a ravine and 60 to 70 yards straight above you, you hear a mountain lion scream. That is the most hair-raising, eerie sound and terrifying sound you can ever hear. 
is hearing a mountain lion scream and knowing it's up above you. That just is why I carried a gun with me and why I still carry a gun when I go into the into the out of doors. Yep. I've been stalked by the supposedly harmless North American black bear three times and twice by yeah. one that was a little bit over 700 pounds and was definitely intent on killing me. So, yeah, kind of know what you're talking about there. Yes. So, you know, after that, and that was all before we ever moved him further back in, got him to where he was not, maybe not comfortable with it, but where he accepted that. And there was a few times that I took, you know, during hunting, I did take a rifle with me. Did he ever make the connection that the free food that you sometimes showed up with was a result of you having a gun and blasting it? Yes, yes. I always made. I always showed him the bullet hole. You know, in the beginning it was was the arrow, and a lot of times he saw that. But yes, I did show him the bullet hole, and you know, it was this that got it. This is what that did, and that's how all of that combined is what I think allowed him to accept. That, yeah, you know, we can't it, chase it, it, and catch a deer. We can't throw a rock and yeah. club an elk with it. Yeah. We're puny and pitiful. We need to have these things to get any food, and we have to have them to defend ourselves from things that want to make us food. So, Yeah, and well, and that's something that I did was, it's like, you know, when I, I showed him a rock, I said, pick that up. I pointed at it, you know, grab that rock for me, Greg. And he grabbed it and picked it up you know, one-handed, and I said, put it down, and then I went, reached down to grab it with both hands, and it was all I could do to get it up off the ground. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that that I was showing him. That's why I have this. You're so much stronger than me. This is what protects me. You have your strength and your, you know, your natural abilities. This is what I have to do to keep me safe when you're not around. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I said, that... I I don't know how I thought of stuff like that. It's just being raised, you know, in the country, not a city kid. I, you know, and being raised with morals, I I think is the word I'm looking for. You know, how to treat each other and, you know, I just, I don't know why it worked, but it worked. If that, if that makes sense. Well, I'm glad you went to all that extra difficulty teaching them that. I mean, not only for your own safety, but for everybody else's. And, you know, make them realize that this is just like a tool that us pitiful humans have to carry around. <laughs> when we're well, out where he normally lives, it's sort of dangerous for us to be there, and we got to defend ourselves. And it's when it gets back in, back all, all the way back to the town drunk again. I didn't want to happen to somebody else by Glegg what happened to him. I didn't want... You know, somebody to say, you know, a Sasquatch did this or a Sasquatch attached me and, you know, destroyed my rifle or my gun or just walking through the forest hunting and this thing ran up and grabbed my gun or, you know, did something. I didn't want that, you know, to be attached to him. I wanted people to leave him alone, just forget about him. And hopefully he'd just avoid those situations also. I didn't want, you know, because eventually if he would do that, you know, they would hunt him down. Yeah. Yes, indeedy. Well, they'd at least be wondering what was happening to people. And just to make it uh, clear to everybody, the quote-unquote town drunk, 
um, who got squished by a tree that got pushed over on his tent by Bigfoot, according to him. That happened up on toward the Montana side where the Krabby Sasquatch are. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. Now it's okay. quite a ways away from where I was with right. like. Yeah, I mean, so, okay. all the way Again, across got, the valley. Yeah, big across, big valley filled with humans. So a natural yeah. barrier between different troops of Bigfoot, probably with different behaviors, maybe even different sub-varieties. So, and then when we moved it further back into the backcountry, that got us even farther away. It was the opposite direction. That was to the east, and we moved him due west. So speaking about having them way back out in the backcountry now, tell us about your scariest experience ever. Oh, man. Right, hold on. This, this, it still gets to me. This is, you know, something that every once in a while still have nightmares about. So it, you'll have to bear with me, please. Don't worry, I'll make well, all the edits. Well, one, one, thank you. One time, it's like I said before, where we stayed was not his home. That was our, like our vacation home. That was his vacation home. Was when I'd come up, that's where we stayed. Was like the vacation home, you know, not that a house, like but the, you know that area. Campground where you guys would have your yeah. meeting place at. Yes, uh, which I think is w the reason he picked that place is it was safe. Right. And I didn't realize, but back where he was at was probably he recognized that it wasn't that safe for me back there. Uh -oh. And I think it's because he was closer to more of his kind, which I didn't realize at the time, but I think he was having more and more interactions with him, but not getting beat up like... He was before we moved him. I think it was pretty good. I, I, I hope he at least he wasn't beat up, whether that's the interaction was all right or he was tough enough to take care of himself. And either way, it was, I was fine with it. I, I'm fine with it. If he had to beat the snot out of all the other ones to prove that he's going to stay there, whether they like it or not, that's fine with me. Or if they accepted him, that's cool too. That's what I always wanted was him to be able to get back in with like you said, like I think we mentioned a long time ago, the born free thing. I wasn't trying to do that, but that was my hope was knowing that I'm not going to live there my entire life. I wanted him to be able to integrate back into Bigfoot society. Right. And when we finally went back in, it was, we had stayed the night where we had always meet and where we always hung out and where we had a lot of fun for probably five or six months. Had a lot of fun. You know, just uh, hanging out. this last episode. Yes. And so it wasn't, it was getting late and he, I figured that he wanted to stay the night because he wanted a fire and wanted to stay the night. And then at the, man, at the ass crack in the AM, right as the sun was about to come up is when he started making the noise and, you know, woke me up. And then, uh, you know, he'd, he'd say, let's go. He said, let's go. And I'm like, yeah, great. Let me, let, let me wake up. And he's like, let's go. 
and he knew that it was going to be a long, long way, but I didn't. I just thought it was maybe over the hill, but no, it, right at the dawn, we started walking, and about four hours later, it's when he actually picked me up and carried me and then could move faster, and we were got to, and I couldn't tell you where it was, you know, moving so fast, I couldn't tell you exact. I can tell you, I could show you a general area, but I don't exactly know exactly where he went, because it's moving so fast and covering so much ground, yeah. but then that's where I saw you know, where he was at was a nice cave. And I mean, an actual cave cave that was natural and then also adjusted by him, dug out more. And it was nice. It was back in there, I'd say probably 35, 40 feet, maybe 50 feet back in and had a nice opening back there and nice deep in. And it was probably very cool in the summer and very warm in the winter. Nice. And that again, if he didn't show me where it was, I would have never found it. I would have never found the opening. It was that well hidden. But I noticed that's the first time I started noticing a smell was when we got there. And it was I recognized it as a glag smell, just a very potent glag smell. <laughs> He's developing his glag stag. His man musk or whatever, but it, that I didn't. It wasn't overpowering and bad, like a lot of people report it smelling. It just it. Yeah, I could tell that that's where he was. And when I'm not there, he's not bathing. And it's like I even mentioned that. Glad are you taking a bath when I'm not around? I know, no. But like, how are you ever going to get a woman when you smell like that? Man, dude, you need to wash your blankets. But remember, they still had the wool blankets down in there. And, well, and then just looking around, and it was a beautiful area. It was forested, just a small little clearing, not, you know, more than 40, 50 feet. But not too far away was a was a spring where it come up out of the ground uh, probably three, four hundred yards uphill from where he was. Just a nice little area, and just you know, I can see why he picked it. It was beautiful. Oh yeah, it's awesome. There was firewood, and a spot picked out for a fire, and it had looked like it had been made a long time ago. But so I could tell that he wanted me to come back there, but just was never comfortable doing it. He had a spot for a fire ready, and it looked like it had been ready for a long time, probably weeks or months, but had a supply of firewood already there, the twigs and sticks and, you know, the small little logs, which, you know, it's that I realized now that he had... Back then, I didn't. I didn't think anything of. It. I didn't think like I'm thinking now. But I realized he wanted to take me back in there a long time before, but never felt comfortable doing it. And I don't even. And he was on edge, not towards me. He was just always. I feel alert. They had twitching yeah, around ex- like a little bird. Yeah, extremely alert. And when he had set, when he had set down, you know, I did light a fire. And he was, you know, man, he. He liked it. He wanted the fire bad, but then it made him extremely nervous. 
And, you know, again, I didn't think anything of it. Holy cow. And it was, uh, the sun had went down, and I just, talking like me and you are now, just talking to my buddy, and, you know, he'd get up and he'd walk around, and he'd walk to the edge of the clearing, and it's like, you know, what are you doing? Do you want, you want me to read or what? And he's just kind of really not paying attention. You know, he'd mumble, you know, acknowledgement, but I knew he wasn't paying attention to me almost nearly at all which struck me as odd but you know there i'm a kid not realizing what was going on and looking back on it i realized that there wasn't a sound other than the fire crackling when he got up and started walking around and looking i realized that now what's going on you're like what senior high school yeah, probably uh, 16 or 17, right in there. 17, I, I believe. Well, now, how old were you when you met him first? You were like 15 or so when you first met him. Yeah, yeah, it was... it was Three years, so 18, yeah. high school, yeah. Yeah, but remember, I think it was 14 when I met him. Remember, we oh, got okay. our license a lot younger. Yeah, yeah, different time. And I think I was... It, I don't remember if it was before or after my 17th birthday it might have been right after but it might have been right before but you know the sun had went down it would it was black it was pitch black you know other than the fire and the moon wasn't up yet if it even came up at all i don't recall that night because of what happened you know me just carrying on like normal just still thinking it's a cool place and man I started asking him you know how far back in here was it and then realized well he didn't really know but man he walked forever and then after he picked me up we covered some ground I mean I I, I can't even venture a guess maybe 15 miles land miles over you know over stuff and through ravines and he covered some ground quick and it was a long way. Remember, right at the first of the morning, and we got there in late afternoon. Wow. Okay. But yeah, so. was he going at a run, like you know his Bigfoot hold on tight speed where he's probably doing forty forty five miles an hour? Or? Yeah. No. No, he wasn't. He wasn't at a dead run, but he was moving. He wasn't. It'd be kind of like a trot. Okay. So thirty. Yep. And. You know, as I'm just talking and sitting by the fire and he's pacing around and listening. Oh, man. No starlight or anything. That's spooky. Yeah, well, it was back where we were. And, you know, the fire was in the clearing, but right on the edge of it. You know, I made sure there wasn't any branches or tree stuff above us. But, you know, it was, you know, just a dark night. And with the firelight, I couldn't see the stars. If if I could have at all from like, where the trees and the, oh, the canopy was, I didn't realize where the canopy was before the sun went down. So, no, I couldn't see stars. The only light that I had was the fire. The fire. Which was probably, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're enclosed in a little valley that had walls on all sides, that would have been fairly obvious. Yep. I'm I'm sure you could see that forever. But I'd say it was about 
probably 11, 11.30. It had been a good while after the sun had went down. I'd say probably getting close to midnight. Just, you know, as I'm talking to him and asking him to come sit back down and ask him if he's tired, if he wants to go lay down and me to read a story, just, man, just like a shot. He'd come across the clearing right at me, and it actually startled me, and I looked up, and he'd come at me with this look on his face that was terrifying to me. It scared the crap out of me because I didn't know what was going on. You know, just all of a sudden, here he comes, and just in a half a second, he's from 45 to 50 feet away. He's right there at me. He grabs me by the left arm, and up the closest tree, a big Doug fir tree, he drug me by the right or by the left arm up the tree, and he went up as far as he could get, and then he grabbed me, you know, lifted me up above him, grabbed me by the by my butt, and pushed me up in even higher. And the thing that was really freaky and terrifying was. And when he grabbed my arm and went up the tree, he was saying, hide, 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 hide. The whole time he went up the tree with me. And that, to me, is something that we only did in a game. And to see the fear and hear the fear in his voice and see how terrified he was. I mean, just you remember when he was talking and he'd get excited. He'd talk real fast. It was hide, 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 hide the whole time we went up the tree. And it wasn't, you know, three or four seconds that I was 45, 50 foot up all the way up in the top of this tree and him trying to push me up higher. And then... He got you up there. He got you out of branch. Then what? He started back down. And he got about halfway... He got about halfway down the tree, and then he comes right back up and looks right in my face and asks, gun. Oh, shit. And I said, yeah, it's right there on my hip wag. What's going on? And he said, hide, hide, gun, hide. And back down the tree went and just the fastest I'd ever seen him move, he was gone. Right back, you know, where he was at the edge of the clearing where he came over to me and grabbed me by the arm and run me up the tree. Now, he yanked my arm out of socket when we went up the tree, and it hurt. I mean, it was excruciating, but I was too terrified to even make a sound. I was scared to, you know, it's terrified. You know, at first, it was because of the look on his face. I'm like, oh, crap, what's the matter? You know, because here he comes right at me with this, look I'd never seen before. Well, and then describe the look? What, what did it look like to you? Fear. But it's hard to explain. It was, it was a terrifying look. It was scary because I recognize it now as he was afraid. But, you know, it, it could have been interpreted as anger. You know, if I didn't know him, you know, it, the only reason that, you know, 
it will, you know, because I knew my buddy. It's just I, I interpreted it when he grabbed me by the arm and, you know, because when he turned around and bolted towards me, I heard him saying something, but I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't until we got up the tree that I realized the whole time what he was saying was hide, 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 hide. And when we got up the tree and then when he went down the tree, you know, he got halfway down the tree in a heartbeat and then came right back up and got right up next to my face and asked me gun. And it's like, it's right here. And he says, you know, he says, hide gun, hide, hide, hide. And wanting me to go up higher, but I couldn't, I was up in the top of that tree, maybe, maybe 60 feet. It was a big, big tree and he'd run me right up to the top. And now my left shoulder is out of socket. You know, here I am, 220 pounds, and he drug me up the tree by my wrist and yeah, bounced was, me off branches. Really, it wasn't really gentle. Hoping that he, yeah, I'm, I'm, I bet you're really hoping that he comes back from whatever he's about to do. Yeah, because I'm holding on up there. I found a good place, a branch that I could straddle, and got my legs locked in. But I'm trying to make my that was terrible. I, you know, trying to make myself look like the tree, which wasn't working. And it felt like a sore thumb sticking out there. But, you know, at that time, I smelled it. I smelled that awful, awful, overpowering, overwhelming stink that, and it came from him, and I think it was fear. It's why that came out. But I didn't realize it until he went down the second time and then hit the bottom of the tree. That's when I realized that, holy crap, I can hardly breathe. First off, I'm in, probably in shock. And second off, I'm in incredible pain. Third off, I can hardly breathe because I am gagging because the air is noxious. But, and then, you know, he got out of the clearing and I heard him moving. He was moving. You know, that's when it sounded like a bulldozer, like a like three freight trains going through the trees. He wasn't trying to be quiet moving through the trees. Did you have no. any preliminaries at all that there was, like, something over there? I mean, what do you think got his – he must have got it by scent or something because it doesn't sound like you heard anything. Well, that's where I was not paying attention to anything. I would just thought it was cool that he brought me back here and doing my normal thing. I let the fire sit and buy it. You know, kept talking to him, and if, you know, in hindsight, I realized that he wasn't comfortable. Then, from the second we got there, he was on alert. And then, when he got up and left the fire and started walking and pacing around, it's like I said. Now I realized that there wasn't a sound other than the fire crackling. Uh-oh. You know, for probably twenty-five, thirty minutes. Uh-oh. And you know, that's just me, just being off in la-la land, not paying attention to what was going on in him, I'm sure in his head, he was like, shut up, you idiot. Don't you see that? You know, look at all the signs. But now I realize that when he kept looking at me, I thought it was because I was asking him, do you want to read or you want to go lay down? And he's looking at me like, you know, now I, I interpret it as, you know, shut up. Don't you know that they're here or something like that? Yeah. Now, I, he run away. I know it wasn't, you know, right on the edge of the clearing. He, 
I heard him moving quite a quite a distance away. I couldn't tell you how far, but I still heard it. And then I heard a roar. And then I heard no, but this is the part that gets me. I heard Glag scream no twice. And then all hell broke loose. Yeah, I could tell that I heard what I thought was at least two other ones in Glag fighting. Sorry. It just got to me when he... What kind of sounds were they making? Was it T-Rex roaring, or was it sound like angry language, or what? What kind of noise were they making? There was there was some of the angry language in there, and then it was just ungodly roars, and sounded like a tornado going through the forest. You know, and but you know, hearing no that loud that far away. Knowing that it's him, it was terrifying. And it went on and it went on for Yeah, there's more than one on him and that just scared the crap out of me. Not only from I didn't give a crap about me. I I was invincible. I had a gun. I could take care of myself. I was worried about my buddy. And the thought never crossed my mind. I, if they do anything to him and they come after me, I'm going to kill them all. <laughs> Not knowing that I don't know how I would have held my gun. You know, I always braced my right arm with my left arm. My left arm's out of socket. I'm up in a tree. I've got a three fifty seven Magnum that I probably ain't going to be able to hang on to after I pull the trigger the first time. But no thought whatsoever for me. There's no way to explain how terrifying that was, you know, how scared I was for him. It just, and it just went on and on and on, but it seemed like hours. This ungodly noise of the worst fight you've ever heard. Like I said, I don't know how long it was. I know it was a long time, and finally, eventually, it stopped. And then, after that, at least a few minutes of combat. No question that it was at least that long. We're not talking about seconds or something. We're talking more like TV WWE match length. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, world championship match that lasts 25 minutes or more because they keep dragging it on for the pay-per-view. Yeah. It just, and 
as far away as they were, you could tell when somebody was getting hit, when it was connecting, you know, a fist or a, you know, when it was, when one of them was getting, you know, pummeled by the other one. And I didn't know who, who was which. I couldn't tell what was going on. All I knew that he was outnumbered at least two to one. And then, then when it all stopped and went silent, about 25, 30 seconds after it quit, then there's another ungodly roar. Just, I mean, from as far away as it was, it rattled my insides. And that's when it's like, crap, or now are they going to come after me? You couldn't tell who made the roar? No, I, after he left clearing, I couldn't tell what was what. All I knew is that he was the one that yelled no. Yeah, because the other ones don't speak English. Or if they did, I'd never heard it, but I assumed it was. It was black voice. But yelled no twice, and then it just... On the tornado went. And it just it just took forever. It just... No, it, I just... It's like, please, God, just let it end. Sorry about that. Sasquatch thug is trying to go all thug on your buddy. Well, so after like, you know, a good 15, 20 minutes maybe is what it sounds like, which would be like way, 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 way too long to have to sit through and listen to. Um, so you figure at that point that he must have been one to one and let out the big roar. I, I don't know who let out the roar at the end of it. Uh that actually was pretty scary because I didn't know who it was. And if it's, it's like, if that's not Glag, then crap, how am I going to, that's what started going through my head. If it, if he didn't win, which I don't see how it could. Yeah. Two on one. Of course he's cheating because he had a human martial arts trainer teaching him. Thank God. And about a few minutes after that, he came back into the clearing. He beat the shit. But he was there. He's covered in blood. I didn't know it until I got down out of the tree, but he's covered in blood. Was he able to come back up the tree and help you get out of it, or did you have to actually No, he sat down on the ground at the bottom, and I worked my way down. It took me quite a while. All I could do is give him a hug and just started crying on him. You know what the cool thing was? I don't think very much of it was his blood. That's good. Tell that out later. 
so he didn't have like lots of big bite marks all over him or something. Well, he, well, he was he was tore up good, but I think the blood that was on him was splattered from from the other ones. They might have been in for a bit of a surprise the first time he gave him a nice right cross to the face. What I'm hoping. And he just, and he was beat up, but I think he gave more than he got. A lot more, especially because now what I know now, that roar at the end was, you'd, you'd leave and get the fuck out of here. And don't come back, you know, leave me alone, leave my human alone. Yeah. Or the territorial roar, I just whooped your ass as this is my territory, don't come back, yeah. it's more of the same. I mean, I hope, like, well, and plus with him being young, as young as he was, and then that happening, probably going to be, I don't know, I see that, I don't know, that's what I'd like to talk to Cat. Was it other ones his age trying to come and bully him around or was they coming after me or you know that I have no idea that's something that our communication I couldn't get all I know is that you'll get to ask her I just was it an older one was it older ones coming to you know discipline him or what but I know you don't know know you see him now it's all going to be guesswork anyway But I know that I know that he got in a fight with at least two other Sasquatch because of me. That seems fairly apparent, judging by his hyper agitated state and what else was going on there. It's like he knew they were around the area, and if he lit that fire or even had you back there, there was a chance they were going to show up and not be digging it. Yep. And uh, he was willing to take that risk anyway. And, you know, maybe he was, like, trying to push the envelope. Well, you know, screw you guys. I'm going to have my human back here if I want. What are you going to do about it? And the only thing I can, I can, uh, you know, I I can't even speculate what happened. I know he he got beat up, but I hope, like hell, that he beat the snot. I hope, you know, don't want to sound, you know, I hope he killed one of them or both of them. Whether that sounds right or not, but you got to remember that was my buddy that they were doing that to, yeah. and he was protecting me. I, hopefully, what I taught him was what giving the edge because I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate. At least one of them, yeah. I hope he got to a keto throw at least one of them through a tree, a really hole. Uh, I, I hope he put. Uh, uh, haymaker right in the jaw of one of them <laughs> and shattered it. Well, as strong as they are, and you taught them how to do a haymaker, yeah, well, you, know, you could shatter a bull's a clo- jaw. A, a, clo- a closed fist? Yeah. Hell yeah. Probably no, I'm sorry, I guess it just, you know, think about me being up there with a dislocated shoulder and knowing that my best friend in the whole world is <laughs> I'm sure you didn't think that far at the time or anything, but if something had happened to him and he hadn't come back, well, now you're there with one arm, no way to get out, got to climb down out of this huge tree and fight your way through hostile Sasquatch-infested territory for 20 miles or so to even get back to where your your bike is. Well, see, and that's the thing is what was so terrifying and why it still haunts me is I did think about that. 
I don't know where I'm at. Yeah. Nobody knows where to even start to come and look for me. Yeah. No such thing as GPS. No. And no such thing as forward in for looking infrared either. Uh, not that that not that we knew about it at the time. Yeah. And I am way back in there that I knew the general direction to go to get out of there, but with my injury then, you know, would I have made it out? It, with all the best circumstances, no predators, no other Sasquatch, could I have physically made it out? I don't think so. Yeah, that's yeah, even if me. you were even if you knew which direction to go, you might not have been able to make it out. And the chance that you knew which direction to go was pretty slim too. Yeah. Well, I knew which direction we came in and but still I head that direction. I wasn't paying close enough attention because of how fast we were going. Well, it's some of those that, trails and stuff in the mountains, and this is as good as a mile. If you're talking about 20 miles, it's generally in that direction. Well, yeah, you can miss the trail by a mile and end up 30 yeah. miles in the wrong direction. You know. And where we came in might have been around the bend, and you know where we actually came from was back the opposite direction that we came in from. So yeah. I said I thought I, I knew what direction we came into the clearing, but I didn't pay enough attention to know how to get back out of there. That, trust me, that went through my mind. And that's what, one of the things that made it even more terrifying being up there. Yeah, because you're, you know, if something happens to your buddy, you are totally screwed at that point. If he mm-hmm. had to, and maybe he realized that, you know, I bet he realized that he hurt you when he put you up in the tree, and that freaked him out even more. Yeah, and hopefully it, all of that together is what gave him an advantage. You know, always when you back somebody into a corner, you know, watch yeah. out. When you when you scare somebody, and I know he was scared, so was I. And then, then that, see that. So you spent made me, the made there, me then, loving, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that made me loving that much more, knowing that. Does that make sense? Yes. Yep, he saved your life. Well, you saved his life, in a way. And he saved your life directly. Um, so that was... Um, Physically, you know, yes. And, yeah. and I, I'm glad that I didn't get to see it. I don't think I could have handled... I mean, and the sounds were ungodly enough. And we're... <laughs> there isn't... Unless you witness a Sasquatch fight, there's no way for me to explain to you in the sound. And the sound was just, you know, deafening. And it was you know so far away but the roars were making my insides vibrate when they'd roar it just sounded like a scene from Jurassic Park going on right over the top of the ridge or something it just oh man it just the worst you know from start to finish probably 35-40 minutes of my life Jesus you know you know it wasn't, you know, after it ended, he didn't come right back. It was still about 10, 15 minutes after that roar at the end and that he came back. And I think it's just because he was walking slow and he was that far away. And, you know, and that still, every once in a while, I'll wake up in a cold sweat because of that. So you guys were then, of course, stuck 
spending the night there. I don't think that, you know, well, tell me, did he didn't pick you up and try and carry you out that night, did he? No, no, uh-uh. And then, and then, you know, me being concerned for him and seeing him covered in blood, and he was more concerned about my arm than anything. Which, tell me, it's just an animal. No. The, the, the compassion that knowing that I got hurt when he when he put me up there, and then that the only thing that he was focused on the rest of the night was you know trying to take care of me, and you know not knowing what to do. I didn't know what to do. Now <laughs> that shoulder pops out still to this yeah. day, and I can yeah, set just- it again run into a tree and smash your shoulder into it there, problem solved. <laughs> yeah, well, back up to the corner of a wall or a tree, and, <laughs> and I can pop it back in by myself. Now I've learned how, but that shoulder's been jacked up ever since. I can I can actually pop it out right now as we speak. Well, that's... Uh, so... You guys end up going back the next day then, or how much longer were you there? Yeah, I did ask Crack of Dawn. We went back, and I didn't walk maybe 10 feet. He picked me up and carried me gentle like a baby all the way back. I'm going to be trying my best to help him get cleaned up. You know, one arm with, you know, trying to wash him up. You know, handful by handful. You know, the clumps of hair gone and just... You can tell he'd been in it. Yeah, much of the way of lacerations, it was mostly all bruises and stuff like what you'd seen in previous yeah. fights. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, he, he was cut up a little bit, but like I said, I think most of the blood wasn't his give him that we got him his brown belt that day <laughs> the brown belt says good oh my god dude so it took you took him probably more, the better part of the day to get you back out to the cycle and then yeah from there you had to try and make it back one arm riding a friggin' motorcycle what the hell yeah well it had it had i don't know if it's it happened when i when i was asleep or what but it did go back in the socket and I think I might have rolled over on it, but it had caught something because, man, it hurt bad underneath. But, yeah, that's a trick, riding back as far back as I was in and how far I was on deer trails. God. Yeah, it was a trick. I didn't get back, you know, and we'd stayed in, I stayed another night there, you know, where we normally stay. And then, yep, and then the next morning, I went back, and I didn't get home till late at night. Wow. And I tried to explain to him that, buddy, I'm not going to be able to come back. I'm hurt bad. I'm hurt real bad. And 
it was about a month before I was able physically able to get back up there again. When you showed back up again at the meeting place, did you actually have, obviously you didn't have any sort of time plan for him to meet you there? Nope. He, he was there. Heard your motorcycle coming probably. Yep, probably. <laughs> Unreal. Well, how was he acting when you came back a month later? Mary did with just like we always did, just always just Christmas day. Happy, 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 happy to see me. Yeah. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Happy, happy, joy, joy. Yep. And the initial hug was excruciatingly painful. <laughs> yeah, they were painful enough on when I'm totally healthy. <laughs> yeah, talk, right. Talk, talk about a bear hug. I don't think a bear uh, can hug like that. You know, there's a story about some hunters that were coming back from town, and they were like three, four miles away, and they were following the course of the river, and they heard this horrible noise happening. And came up on it. They figured there was a couple of grizzlies beating the living snot out of each other. One of the voices sounded wrong. And they got up close enough to see what was going on. It was on the other side of the river. There was a Sasquatch and this huge brown bear beating the living snot out of each other. And, uh, you know, it took them a little bit to figure out what the other critter that was fighting the bear was because they could figure it right away. They could tell the bear was the bear. But what's that other thing? And yeah. after it tussled around a little bit, they got a better look at it. They realized, well, this is one of those local Sasquatch things they talk about. And they quickly decided amongst themselves that, if it looked like the bear was going to win, they were all going to shoot the bear so the Sasquatch would win. <laughs> but yeah. it turned out the Sasquatch didn't need any help. He polished the bear off pretty easily by himself. Man, yeah, yeah I can't. I can't imagine. I'm glad I didn't get to see that fight because yeah. I probably would have tried to help. Well, apparently, according yeah. to what these gentlemen that saw this said, it, it terrified them so bad they didn't even talk about it for a couple of years. There, there wasn't just one lone guy seeing that. There was like three of them that saw it yeah, going on. It scared the living hell out of them. Now, just imagine two Sasquatch yeah. going at it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, imagine two of them fighting or against three. another one. Yeah, or three. You don't even know. You know you, you're guessing there's more than one voice in addition to his making the racket over there. But beyond yeah. that... They could have had, like, seconds sitting in the tree line waiting for them to get their butts whipped and then jump in and take their place. You don't know how many he was fighting. Yeah, I don't. But I know two distinct... I heard two distinct other voices for sure, and it it could have been more. But remember, at the time that all this is going on, I am on the verge of blacking out from pain, too. God. And knowing that I can't black out, because if I black out, I'm probably going to fall out of this fall tree and that's going to kill me. Get killed. Yeah, exactly. And that bad, bad, bad situation to be in. You know. Just, yeah, all around. And it just, I think the fear is what kept me awake and up in there. You know, and it just. So now that we hit the high slash low point of uh, the beginning of the third year, um, you want to, do we have enough time on this recording to continue on from there and get like all the way up to the end of year in the beginning of year four? Well, I, well, we can. The, the, not much happened other than just whenever I'd go up, we just had fun again. And I didn't ask to go back in there. Right, you just go to the <laughs> camp and not go back. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. 
And it, and it wasn't until probably about the next year that he wanted me to go back in there. So I knew that it was, you know, he didn't have show any reservations. He actually wanted me to go back in there with him. Yeah, he had actually, like, whooped their butts completely out of the area, so he wasn't worried about it anymore. Yeah. Okay, well, so by the end of that, so this is, like, beginning of the fourth year, then he's how much bigger? Like we said at the beginning, when you first met him, he was 6'6", six, 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 350. How big is he by the beginning of year four? The night of that fight, that's he was probably now. probably eight, a little over eight, maybe eight and a half. And I couldn't even venture a guess on weight. He was massive. He was huge. Probably eight fifty, nine hundred pounds. And when I when I'd piggyback on him, I it's you know, it wasn't because it was a rough ride, it was how to hang on because there there's no way I could stretch my legs over to wrap around him. That's just too wide. Yeah. And there's not a neck to hold on around like on a human, you know, how you Correct. wrap your arms around the neck. It's just draping my putting my arms over his shoulders and just, you know, locking them on and just you know, flexing and keeping them in like these U shapes just hanging on that way, not really holding on to anything, but... Right. You're like a backpack without straps. You can just go flying off. And yeah, it's just, just two two hooks up on that hang yeah. up over on each shoulders. Yeah, exactly. I was kind of picturing one of those, uh, like, ladders that they have that go into the, the swimming pools that have a little yep. hook thing that cuts over the top. Yep, exactly. That's why that was that was me on his back as a monkey yeah. on his back. Jiggle that jiggle that around very much, and you dislodge it. And yeah, how yep. often does a human get to be a monkey on a Bigfoot's back? That's kind of you know out of the ordinary. <laughs> hey, I got a human yep. backpack. Check out the new accessory. Yep. <laughs> that's probably you got to feed this one every once in a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why the other Bigfoot went after him. They were all jealous because he was the only one that had a human backpack. <laughs> they had a Kevin Peck. That's it. It's like the other ones down there in New and. Uh, down in the the Navajo lands that are all jealous of the cookie monster because he's got the cookie bowl. Not <laughs> the rest of them do. <laughs> the ultimate trophy of that area of the country, the cookie bowl. I wonder if it was Tupperware or steel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that detail has ever come out. I'll let caveman research it. We really definitely need to know exactly what kind of material and what size that cookie bowl was. Was it glass or, you know, like that yeah. aluminum or Which, was it a Tupperware? Yeah, we want to know exactly what kind so that we can get one to come and steal our cookie bowl full of cookies <laughs> and get it on camera. <laughs> Especially we might be able to get the same one to do it. But, uh, mm. man, uh, you know, that's like a whole lot of incredible Hulk on your butt. So whatever was challenging him, man, they must have been some big bad dudes to go after a, you know, eight and a half foot, eight hundred pound. God, big I think uh, I think that's why there was more than one of them. And hopefully, it's because of how well I fed him that first year is why I got so big. I hope that's why. I hope all of that him getting massive like that was all because of me. Uh, I really do. Him giving him the good nutrition, so much so that the other Sasquatch have to gang up on him two or three on one because yeah. they're afraid of him. 
<laughs> That's my ego speaking hey, to. Even if he was littler than them, you taught him a keto. He could flip them through a tree. Uh, well, and, yeah. And I I hope that's what went it for him was what he'd been taught. I know you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, but wait until you hear the new episode that Cat talks about. And I mentioned you teaching Clag how to do martial arts and Aikido and everything. She's very well acquainted with martial arts. And I started laughing about it. And she goes, actually, that's one of the best things that he could have taught him because that's how the males fight with each other. They wrestle and they try and throw each other. And, like, he had taught him all of these mechanical, super-specific ways of throwing that they'll never using, figure out on their own. Using, using their body weight against them. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that you can, like, oh, forget it. If they're bigger, that puts them at a disadvantage because, you, yep. got, you know, you, yeah, the, the uh, lower fulcrum is, makes it easier to throw somebody taller. So, yeah, if a mountain giant came up and tried to mug him, that'd be even easier for him to wipe out. He could flip him down a mountainside. Yep. And Ben plus I also got him the the mechanics of a of a good punch too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I told Cat, you could probably stop a semi with something like that. So I can only imagine what I would do to another Bigfoot face, even if he was big and bad Bigfoot. Uh, yeah. There's only so much damage you can take, and that yeah. would be an awful lot. Well, can you imagine? That's why I say I hope that opening punch broke the jaw of one of them. I really hope. Well, that's something that he wouldn't relay, and that's something that he didn't want to talk about either. He never he just, talked to you about that fight at all? He, he didn't want to talk about it. He just... He, like I said, he was more concerned about my arm than he was about him or that fight, and I just... It was terrifying enough to me as it was. I, I did want to know what happened, but <clears throat> he just never went into it. Not like we can discuss it like we did. It's just, you know, it's like, what happened? Why did they do that? And he just wouldn't acknowledge the subject. Did you manage to get him to at least say if it was, was it other Bigfoot like him and not something else like Dugweez or some damn thing? Uh, that I'd never, I never got that. See, that is something I didn't know about the other. I didn't know as much as I know now. I didn't know about the other. I didn't know about the bad ones like that, that there were actually the and other. And they're not common. By no yeah. means are they common. And I don't Even think they would have been hanging out a couple of them together. Right. No, they traveled around in uh, packs, apparently, so. If they're out hunting or something, there's going to be several of them, not just like two. The only time you'd run into known individuals, according to Cat, would be like if it was uh, scouts. Yeah. Oh, mercy. So maybe he ran into a couple scouts and he had to beat their butts. And then they yeah. went and reported back to the big ugly. No, nah, don't go over there. There's some kind of Kung Fu Bigfoot. He whooped mm-hmm. our asses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he threw, yeah. Uh, he threw Gorg through a tree and he uh, punched all my teeth out. I'm not going back over there. <laughs> I have to I have to eat eat soup through a through yeah. a reed. I'll be eating skunk cabbage and slugs for the rest of my life. I'm not going back. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. Well you are so lucky you survived that and you're so lucky that you had a good friend like Glag that was willing to really risk his own life yeah, quite a bit to uh, make sure. Yeah, well and that's that's why it why it gets to me so much when I 
when it starts getting emotional about it, it's because my, I know it is my best friend. And I know that that night he put his life on the line for me. I don't know many humans that would do that for you. And it just, you know, it, it was hard. It, you don't understand how difficult that night was to hear that going on and being defenseless to help him. Yeah. It just, you know, it just the heartbreaking to hear it going on and terrifying at the same time. And, you know, the whole situation, it just, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Yeah, that would be super scary. Like, I, I'm just trying to picture, like, what would it sound like having, you know, two or three T-Rexes fighting just, like, right over the hill, knocking trees down, roaring. Yeah. <laughs> Only there would be the punching sounds and stuff like you were hearing. But, uh, yeah, that, oh, my God, that would terrify me. So you one more thing tell, before we, did you still want, uh, want to say something? Like well, that? it's just, I could tell when there was a thud of when some type of hit connected from whoever it was, there was this dull, you know, it was this hard to listen to thud that I could tell was, you know, somebody took a hard hit from another one. You know, I don't know if it was a punch or a hammer. Yeah, yeah, but I could tell, and those were happening all the time. And it, it just... No, man, I just, I wish that night could go away. And it doesn't, it keeps coming back, especially on a night like tonight when I've never actually told that whole thing before. And it just, it's what got to me the way it did, because it happened again in my head. Yep, I know that feeling. You can sort of have this distant view of the whole thing and sort of remember it, but when you actually have to go through it and tell it detail by detail, it all comes rushing back, along with all the emotions you're experiencing when it happened. And, you know, like with two of my encounters, that's not at all pleasant. I don't enjoy talking about them. Mm -mm. I I didn't either, but I think it's something that people need to hear about. To think think about what he did for me, a human. Yep. Yep. And tell me that that's an animal. No. Your dog. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a trained dog animal. Was... It's just like a Russian dancing bear. Yeah. Uh, one that can you're, talk. Now your 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 best friend, your your dog would do that. Yep. But it's your dog wouldn't come back and you know what I mean. Yes, yeah. you're a loyal companion like a dog would do the same thing, but. This is more than that. It, it was a not instinct, like you know, a, a dog. It was he made the decision, you know, a conscious decision. It was not, you know, just pure instinct. He, it was a decision that he made to protect me. That shows cognitive thought. Yeah, well, you know, obviously he's a thinking critter. You've been having conversations with him. But that he, you know, actually, the same thing Kat was talking about in the show you haven't listened to yet. Um, you know, when he grabbed you and hauled you up that tree, he was so concerned about your safety, he didn't even realize that he actually hurt you in the process of trying to get you to safety. 
all yeah. he could think about was getting you to a place that was safer and hide. And yeah. then, oh, by the way, got your gun? Okay, good. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Wasn't that's go attack the bad terrible. guys first. It was save my buddy, then go attack the bad guys. Yeah. And that's what got me is when he come back up. That's why we went over the gun thing first. Why when he went down the tree and then came back up to make sure I had my gun with me. That is what terrified me. To know that he wanted me to have my gun ready was terrifying. Well, you know, at least that's a testament to how well you got across the concept that you needed that as a tool to defend yourself in bad situations. And probably for the first time in his life, he was actually relieved you had a gun with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised as much as you got him to actually hold on to one and stuff and look at it a few times that he never as curious as he was ever tried to figure out how to actually shoot one. Yeah, uh, we tried. <laughs> no, no, no. Bit. Yep, I would have had to cut the trigger guard off to, <laughs> for him to shoot it. I, and I actually thought about cutting the trigger off of that 410, but then, you know, it not kicking that hard, preparing him for the kick would something I didn't want to try to go into. Oh, God, with his strength, he wouldn't even notice it. I know, but still. He would kick. But still, that was me being a kid, thinking, you know, when he does that and it kicks him, is he going to smash it? You know, and then luckily I didn't have any way to cut a trigger guard off while I was up there. (laughs) Very well, we probably probably would have. Or people's hunting rifles would be disappearing from camp and, you know, yep. since he couldn't figure out the ammunition thing or do it with his huge fingers, that he'd have to just keep getting rifles that were loaded. Yeah, all get the another time. one that's already loaded. And <laughs> <laughs> he'd be like, "This is the weirdest place I go hunting, and the rifles disappear, and nothing else ever happens. Just sometimes you find huge tracks, but the rifles disappear." <laughs> and and, and, and it looks like something ripped the trigger guard off. <laughs> I know one of my friends the other day was trying to asking me about talking to you about him trying to use fire and, and they couldn't figure out the why he couldn't get it. And I'm like, look, let's put it this way. Take a baseball catcher's mitt, put it on your right hand. Take a baseball catcher's mitt, put it on your left hand. Now light a match. Try to strike a bit. Yeah, yeah or, or a match. <laughs> Either one. Yep. It's like I said, it's kind of hard to hit that striker on a bick when your finger is bigger than the lighter. Yeah, substantially. Like Kat says, when she grabs onto Quijote's thumb, that's her whole hand. It barely goes around his thumb. Yes, yes, exactly. And that is me. I never held hands with Glag. I held finger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what she does with him. She grabs onto his thumb. (laughs) And now just think of that think of the strength of it is here I am 220 225 somewhere in there and he grabs me by the wrist and yanks me up a tree and goes up a tree 45 50 feet in two three seconds yes he can climb a tree and me being and only doing it one-handed because he's got me in the other hand yeah, that's scary, dude. That is scary. Okay, so one more thing before we go here. Now, between that, which was like beginning of third year and beginning of fourth year, a year after the fight, how much bigger was he at that point? It was the last time I saw him, he was 
I know people want to know that he was right at, I'd say, topping out at nine foot and 14, 13, 1400. Okay. So like between like the fourth, the last year that you were hanging around with him, he wasn't growing as fast as he had no. previously. No. So just, he but he was just putting on massive size. weight. Yeah. He right. wasn't growing, you know, height wise, but man, yeah. he was still tanking up. Yeah. Well, you may be right. He may have been closer to your actual chronological age than we were thinking, considering that he, it sounds like he was pretty much, you know, that's a good a marker for most mammals when they get closer to being full adult size, the growth slows down. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it and might he have just been. Got, he, he still could have got quite a bit bigger and ended up, you know, 10, 11 feet tall. Yeah. But it just would have taken quite a lot longer to do it. Yeah. And I, I think hopefully he was, he did, but. You know, because I wanted him to be the biggest, toughest Sasquatch in the mountains. <laughs> and helping and knowing... Had a human trainer. His Mr. Miyagi was Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> and having the ability to put the hurt on somebody, even if he wasn't the biggest, you know, would make... I hope that the word got around after that night to leave Glag alone. Yeah. Don't mess yeah, with Glag. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, he's got a human friend, and that's fine because uh, you, you don't want to get the hurt put to you if you get his human friend. Yeah, if you go after his human friend, he's liable to punch your face in or something. Yeah, forget the dog. Beware of Sasquatch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And who cares about dogs when you got Sasquatch protecting you? you got the best protection there is. Yeah. Rip your and head off it, and throw your remains in a ditch. And that it, it was after that night, though it was back to you know having fun with my buddy again. But that took a long time to get over. That still now going back up. I was always looking over my shoulder. I mean, more so than I was more cautious just riding up there when he wasn't around. Right. Just that is comfortable without you. What have decided to start following you or something? You wouldn't hear him, and he could actually keep up with your motorcycle. Yep, especially back in there. It wouldn't be till yeah. I got to one of the better roads that I could outdistance him. Yep. Yeah, you get down and on my on my DT one seventy five on my DT one seventy five. I couldn't get out in front of him. <laughs> you could almost run faster than that stinking thing would go. Yep. Yeah, that's. God. But that's yeah, the but one that he that's the one that he always recognized. That's the one that I always always rode up there when I could ride a bike with metal crack. <laughs> you can hear that sound. Oh, here comes Kevin on his motorcycle. Mm. Well and it's because it, that that one had the resonator on it got plugged up so I had to cut that off and just run a straight piece of pipe. <laughs> so it was loud. Yeah, so he could probably hear you five, six miles away with your <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Echoing through the canyons. Oh, here comes Kevin. I better hurry up. I got only about an hour or so until he gets near here. Exactly. <laughs> He's got about a mile. I've got 16 to go. Uh, I'll get there about the same time. I'll be waiting for him for 10 minutes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I think we're going to have to close her out here, and next episode will be the, the last part of the Glag Saga. Glag Saga. Yeah, that, that, the last one will be, yeah, because it was 
after this, you know, the next, the rest of that year, and then it was me off to school, and I didn't see much after that until that fall. It was that next fall that I haven't seen him since. Right. Until the next one, we can close it out. And in the meantime, if there's any more questions that you guys have that we didn't already cover or anything, make sure to post those in the comments section, and we'll get them on the last episode. And uh, there's going to be a episode after that. I haven't decided yet if I actually want to try and do a live call-in show or if I'm just going to do a, a Q&A show. But as we already alluded to earlier, it's not going to be fans' Q&A so much. It's actually going to be um, Kat and Kevin and possibly even Taylor all having a roundtable discussion about interacting with Bigfoot. So you definitely don't want to miss that one. Nice. All right. All right. So until Sorry. next time, it, <laughs> thanks Sorry, a lot for I being got on the show, guys. No problem. No problem, buddy. People understand it. You know, this this is something that really happened to you, and it was your best friend for years. So anyway, well, in the meantime, folks, until the next episode rolls around, be kind to each other. Always pay it forward. Sir, uh, safety first, last, and always. And unless he's your best friend and you just rode out to the special meeting camp on your lousy little motorcycle to meet with him, God help you. For God's you, sake. Do not hug. Do not. Go do ahead. not hug the Wookiee. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Oh. Okay. Well, there's another episode. Cool. Yay. Yeah, that was grueling. I'm sure everybody will friggin' love this one. They always like the violent ones, which is, you know, like another reason for you to listen to the the, the new cat show because it tells her first encounter, and I had fun trying to dig up images for that. They did a really good job with it, I think. I'm really happy with it. The second one is Kihosa killing Stinky. Stinky is, like, challenging him for dominion of the troop and attacked him, actually, in front of the other troop members. Kihosa snapped his fucking neck, killed him. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then... Uh, the third one is the scariest one because she was out with two of her kids hanging out with Kehosa and the whole troop of Bigfoot on top of this mountain. And all of a sudden, they all started panicking, and she looked to see what the hell they were looking at. They are looking across this valley like half a mile, mile. And on the other side of this valley was a whole troop of fucking gugwees going up the side of the mountain. That one's mm. really fucking scary. Holy crap. Yeah, that's pretty much what she said, too. And then what she found in the area afterwards is even more holy crap. So, yeah, you might want to go check out that episode now. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was gonna go in the bathroom and do my medicine, check my blood and stuff, and start listening to that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, if, you, if you're gonna sit around there for a few minutes or something, watch the first 20 minutes of it. That's got her when she was five years old. She ran into a Bigfoot the first time. Because that, I, I managed to find a lot of good images for that encounter. It's almost like watching a video. Okay. And then plus we've got the artwork of the actual Bigfoot that she saw at that moment done by Sibelia Irwin. So that friggin' helps too. <laughs> when she goes, and then he leaned down and looked at me, there's the picture of the actual Bigfoot right there in excruciating detail. That's exactly what he looked like right there. No. No, I got it. I figured, I, well, I planned on as soon as we got done with this, I wasn't going to go to sleep till I listened to it. <laughs> All right. Well, this is one where I actually married up a bunch of pictures, and like I said, she's got 
four of the members of the troupe, including like three shots of Kihosa and their solo shots of really good ones. And then there's like several shots where there's multiple members of the group. There's one where they're watching a herd of deer in a field, and you can see three of them standing on the hillside behind the deer because you've got them circled to make it super easy for you to do where's Wookie. Huh. <laughs> well, nice. Yeah, nobody gets better than fucking Bigfoot pictures than Cap. She's a well, they, they're they're her they're her family, they're her buddies exactly, so yeah. she can get away with it. You know, I think if I if it would have been a different time, I I could have got those of Glag. Glag would have yeah. had a problem with it, but unfortunately, it just wasn't the time and the technology wasn't there. No, and actually having really good pictures can get you attacked and or killed too, so it's not necessarily a good thing. You no, know, cat's almost been yeah. killed. She had some idiot Bigfoot hunters that took her and one of her daughters hostage and were going to torture her to, and the daughter to death unless she told them where the, the Kiosa and his clan was so that they could go kill one of them and bring it in and make a million dollars. Yeah, and um, yeah, and it, unfortunately, well, in that case, fortunately, that wouldn't happen because them fine young men in them unmarked military uniforms would show up, I guarantee you. Yeah, Before well, you you know, her daughter got away. And her daughter got away, and they did torture Cat and fucked her up really bad. Before she got away and got got a hold of the cops, and the cops only ever caught two of the three despicable pieces of shit, and one of them is actually back out of prison at this point. So she has good reasons to not have other researchers over her, her property or interact with the Bigfoot community very much because it kind of turned out bad the last time that she was doing that. Yeah, well those pieces of crap need to die yeah, and inter- introduced to Kihosa and let him have his way with him. <laughs> let Kihosa use them like a baseball bat and beat them against a tree repeatedly. Yep. Let him do some wood knocks off. with their skulls. Yeah, exactly. Beat him against the ground for a while. Do the scene. Okay, Kihosa, we want you to reenact a scene from the Avengers movie where the exactly. Hulk is by the legs and is beating him against the ground. I'm a god, you dull creature. Quack, quack. Quack, 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 quack. Quack, quack, quack. Puny god. Beats the Paul That's the best scene ever in any movie ever. I know. That's mightily hilarious. All right, brother. Well, I'm going to go. i got to go get some food in me here, and I'm going to let you go and Please don't forget to hang up. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not. I have my phone right here and the sign right there. Okay. Observe the sign. Yep. <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon, buddy. All right. Have a good night, bud. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.